Effective lighting makes a home both functional and beautiful. It sets the ambiance and feel for your space, but the aura can be easily broken if you trip up when selecting lighting fixtures. Get your lighting right and it will fade beautifully into the background. Get it wrong, however, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. So in this episode, I'm going to help you get it right first time. Welcome back, wonderful people. My name is Dave and welcome back to Disco Designs, an interior design podcast. New week, new episode. And we're going to be talking all about lighting today, which I'm very excited about. It is a topic that I have many strong feelings about. And um, I think we're going to get a lot out of this episode together. Let's dive straight into it. There's going to be a couple of pretty hard rules that I want you to take away from this or some really firm suggestions. Lighting doesn't have to be complicated. It just needs to be thought ahead a little bit. And you also need to really consider your space. So it can be beneficial for you to get an interior designer or even a lighting designer involved in your project if you are struggling with your home or maybe you've got a new space and things aren't feeling quite right. The first thing I want to talk about is color temperature. Now, you've probably seen, um, where would you have seen this? Let's, you know, the side of a light bulb box. There you will see words like cool white, warm white, daylight. That is the most basic um, unit of measurement that you might see lighting referred to. But in a professional sense, we work in what's called Kelvins, and that is a unit of measure which tells us how warm or how cold a light is. And what do I mean what do I mean by warm and cold? Okay, so um, think of a hospital and how blue or and how just absolutely really white, white, white that space is. That's a really high Kelvin. So that can be anywhere from five, six, seven to ten thousand Kelvin. So we deal in thousands of Kelvins usually. So anything from basically five thousand and above, I would almost never use in a residential setting. It is usually reserved for uh, office spaces or it's going to be for medical or for something specific industrial. In a residential setting, we're probably looking for 4,000 Kelvin and below. That is our warm white, uh, warm white zone in there. So your warm whites are what you're going to see if you go to Ikea. So most of the lighting fixtures at Ikea, for example, are 3,000 Kelvin. And that is a really good starting place for you to be. That is generally the space, the, the color temperature that I'm going to select for someone unless we have determined there is a need for a different color temperature in their space. 3,000 is kind of the really good standard. And in most residential lighting, you'll have 3,000 and you might have 4,000 as lighting options. And that's going to be your warm white and your cool white. Sometimes you'll hear candlelight, which is usually 2700 Kelvin. I use that very sparingly. It is a beautifully, it's almost an orange light. It's a beautiful warm light, but that is really the light that I'm probably reserving for putting on top of my extremely moody dining table. Let's say I've got a little, you know, I probably would actually use it more in commercial than I would residential. And I would use it in very dark, moody dining rooms or in a spa situation where I wanted to create lots of drama. Because 2700 Kelvin can be 
very warm, very orange toned, and it can kind of throw the balance off things a little bit and feel a bit weird and awkward. So 3000 Kelvin is usually where it's at. Having said that, it really is going to depend on what the vibe of your home is. If you have an ultra contemporary, minimal space, white white tile floors, white walls, huge amounts of glass, really expansive spaces, and you want kind of that modern, um, I don't want to say like high-tech cyber feel, but just that really like everything's really bright and white and pure, then you might want to go for a 4,000 Kelvin. That's definitely a possibility. For some people, it can be just a little bit too cold and feel a little bit void of personality and intimacy, but it's it would be acceptable in the right place. 3,000, 4,000. For me, I generally prefer the three, but that's usually a conversation I'm gonna, I would have with the client and would actually show them the light in the space and go, how does, how does this kind of feel for you? 4,000 Kelvin, I would usually use in a bathroom or a work area. Probably not a powder room or a guest uh, a guest bathroom because you could get away with a moodier light. But if I'm putting on makeup or I'm doing a lot of things with my face in a bathroom, then I need accurate light that's going to best represent the outdoors. And it might even be a case of having a few different color temperature options. This is going to conflict with what I'm about to tell you in a second, but this is the only time where you can do this, okay? So maybe you do have a 3000 Kelvin bathroom, but then you have a magnifying mirror, which might even be a 5000 Kelvin. You go into a makeup store, things are very bright and white, and it is a cool, cold light. And that is because it is better representative of daylight, and thus it's showing you actually how you're going to look outside. So that's important. You don't want to be doing your face in a really warm 2700 Kelvin space because you'll walk outside and you'll look completely bonkers because maybe we didn't blend this bit into this bit because it looked fine under the really warm lighting, but outdoors it doesn't look really good. So it's important in probably that's the one instance is to have some, maybe some color temperature options. Avoid cheap lighting fittings that don't specify a Kelvin. Sometimes it might be unavoidable if you just go, look, I just really love this, whatever, lamp light, and it's an LED and I, it doesn't tell me how many Kelvins it is, maybe take a risk on it. But if you are finding a light that doesn't give you Kelvin rating on it, it's generally because it's a lower quality. And um, just be aware of it, okay? Be aware of it. Maybe you need to return it if it uh, doesn't kind of fit with everything else because... The next big no-no is we don't want to mix the color temperatures. Don't want to, you don't want to walk into a room and we've got ceiling lights, which are really warm. And then we've got a lamp that's really cold. And then there's another light over here, which is somewhere in between. It, it becomes very discordant, very disjointed. And it's not a designer look at all. So getting finding your color temperature in the space and continuing it throughout is very important. Now you can vary color temperature between spaces. As I said, if there's like a, a wall or a divider, so your bathroom could have a different color temperature to your bedroom if it was an ensuite, if you had to. Or maybe your office space has a different color temperature to your living room because you maybe need a 
brighter, whiter, cooler light to work under. Or your garage might have a different color temperature again because you just want really, really cold light in there that just shows you every detail of everything. So you can kind of do it when there is division between spaces, but if I can see through a space and see a change in color temperature, that gets very jarring and not really a designer way to do it. That's color temperature. Be aware of it, try and keep it the same and continuous throughout. Now, some other considerations that don't actually involve lights I wanna to touch on first, and that is to make use of natural light where you can. That includes windows, doors, skylights, using mirrors to reflect or even mirrored surfaces to reflect light back into space, using uh, other forms of light control on those windows. So maybe you, you're in a situation where you actually have too much light coming into a space, then you might need some curtains or some blinds or a system to help control the light throughout the day. If you are devoid of a lot of light because of uh, greenery around your home, maybe you need to trim down some trees or rearrange some plants so that it can actually let daylight in. Really good example, in my own home, I have possibly the worst orientation. I have a south-facing aspect, which means that I get continual low levels of light. I have a little bit of a glimpse in summertime from the east, I get morning sun, and most of the year I get some western sun as well in the afternoon, but I've just uh, replaced the um, door to my uh, courtyard, which is joined to my office, with one that has some glass paneling in it, because that is kind of westerly facing, so what it means is the room that only had one window in it now effectively has two and they are diagonally across from each other. So it just allows more light into the space and I can come into this space throughout the day without always feeling the need to have to turn on a light. So perhaps using window treatments, using glazing wherever you can to help bring in natural light is a way for you to avoid having to light the space altogether. Next big no-no is and this is this is this is a hill that I will die on no big lights what do i mean by big light i mean the light where you walk into a home and there is one central oyster light or the americans love to call them a boob light cuz sometimes they're shaped like a boob a boob light in the center of the ceiling and that's the only light in the, in the whole place and that's it that lights up everything absolutely no big lights. We don't want to turn on the big light. We don't want to use it. Do I have big lights at home? Yes, I do. Do I ever use them? No. I replaced two of them when I uh, when I purchased the property. I have probably one of the trickiest situations in that I have concrete ceilings. Very little flexibility about what I can do about these two lights, but I change one to a close-to-ceiling little chandelier thing, and the other one is actually now a little pendant light which swoops across over to my dining table. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. You need to layer your lighting. Do not rely on the light that is on the ceiling to do everything, or ideally anything. Ideally, you want to keep that light for when you're packing the bags for vacations, when you just need a heap of light. But... Ideally, the daily light that you're using is scattered throughout your space and it is layered in, in a way that is sophisticated and that gives you light where you need it at the right time. 
and creates a feeling of, of warmth and of sophistication. And there are three main layers that you need to consider. The first is ambient lighting. So let's start with the biggest one. You've just come home. It's nine o'clock at night. Everything's really dark. We need some ambient lighting. We need to generally, uh, I say ambient or general lighting would be another word for it. It is the the kind of the flood lighting throughout the the space. For a lot of newer homes, that's going to be down lights. Doesn't always have to be down lights. And there's a whole lot of ins and outs of down lights that I feel passionate and strongly about as well because I feel like they're often a very lazy way out of the situation. Uh, builders just throw them in or, or um, especially big developers, they just throw in a whole bunch of downlights because they're like, oh, this is easy and this is cheap and it'll get the job done. And it kind of does, but it, it doesn't look elevated. So downlights aren't always the way, but that is probably the most common form of general lighting we see. So you need to think about that. When I walk in the door, what's my general lighting going to be? If it's not downlights, very popular um, or, and very beautiful alternative is going to be indirect lighting. So whether that's downlighting on walls, whether that's uplighting onto ceilings, um, whether it's LED strips that are integrated into the ceiling, it can be a whole bunch of things. But that is sort of the overall I need... I need to be able to actually look into and see this space and actually get light when I walk home. That's your first layer. The next layer is your task lighting. And this is going to be specific to the room that you're in. So you're in the kitchen. What's your task lighting in the kitchen? Okay, well, task lighting, task lighting in the kitchen is going to be, do I have enough light on my countertop to be able to see what I'm cutting? Are there any shadows that are happening when I'm doing that? If so, how can I fix that? Is there enough light for me to be able to use the stovetop? Is there enough light if I open my kitchen pantry or I've got a butler's pantry? Is there enough light in that space for me for me to be able to see the products that I'm trying to uh, locate and to efficiently use and I'm not sort of stumbling around trying to find everything? That is going to be your task lighting. If you had a home office, that task lighting is going to be lamps on desks. In bed, it's going to be reading lamps next to your bed because that helps you to achieve the task of reading a book. In the bathroom, it's going to be the light that helps you see your face fully. And it kind of goes on like that. Now, there can be crossover. An ambient or a general light can be a task light and vice versa. But that is your general task lighting. So you've got your overall ambient lighting, your general lighting. Now you've got your specific task lighting for each room in each space. And then we have accent lighting or feature lighting, or I once heard a lighting designer call it joy lighting, which I love the sound of joy lighting. And this is the third and final layer that sets your space apart and defines it. So accent, feature, joy lighting is going to be lamps. It's going to be maybe some feature wall sconces. It's going to be lights that illuminate artwork. It can be uplighting or downlighting on the side of your house or on a wall. It can be the lighting that you have in your kicks, in your kitchen cabinetry, or maybe in your bathroom underneath the cabinetry. 
it is usually, look, it can be decorative, but more and more, it's actually kind of a little bit of task lighting. So if we use the under, an under bathroom vanity light, for example, so uh, underneath the vanity, if you had a floating vanity, you could put a little LED strip under there. That would be classified as both task and accent lighting. So task lighting, because it helps you to actually navigate the space. Maybe you wake up during the middle of the night and that light comes on and it helps you navigate to the bathroom safely. But it's also an accent or a bit of a feature light because it's illuminating. It's creating dimension. That's really what its job is to do. Your accent lighting is supposed to create additional dimension and it's supposed to highlight spaces of your um, of your home that you want to show off. So you've got this beautiful piece of artwork. Let's put a spotlight on it so that people are drawn to looking at that. You've got a beautiful bookcase. So let's have a little, a beautiful, you know, a beautiful little lamp that you found somewhere that are, that's near the book collection so that people go, oh, what a beautiful lamp and look at all these books. And now I'm going to go over here and like look through the books and start to explore. So it's about bringing personality into the space and accent feature enjoy lighting that last category can be it can be whimsical it can be fun it can be really obvious about what it is generally your task lighting and your general lighting you want it to kind of fade into the background a little bit not be so obvious but your feature and accent lighting can absolutely be quirky and eccentric or really define your style statement as well maybe through lampshades or through the form or the material that you're choosing as well. I hope that makes sense to you. Layer your lighting, start at the beginning, give me the general lighting in a space, then give me the lighting that I need specifically to accomplish a task, and then give me the lighting that's going to make everything pop, add dimension and bring a bit of joy to the space. But remember that we want to make sure the color temperature is the same throughout all of those lighting elements and one space should have at least two but ideally all three of those you may not have joy lighting in the bathroom that's fine I can give you I can give you that but you could absolutely have joy lighting in a bathroom so don't discount it other common mistakes I sometimes see is people still using fluorescent or compact fluorescent tubings on on light fittings. Now I get it if your light fitting I've got two outdoor ones that use compact fluoros I, there is no, I can't switch that for an LED at the moment because that the ballast inside it requires a compact fluoro. That's fine. But if and when I go to change them, I'm absolutely going to change them to LEDs. But there is no excuse in the year 2023 for you to have uh, fluorescent battens in your kitchen. Unless you are a commercial kitchen, and even then on a budget, it's, it's no excuse. There's no excuse. There are so many more beautiful, elegant ways for you to light your kitchen than a dingy fluoro tube. It's not okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not judging. I just see so many real estate photos for rental properties and it just, it makes me so depressed and so sad. I'm like, oh, really? We can't even, I would even accept an oyster light over an LED, over a uh, fluoro baton, honestly. I would, I would suck it up and I would have an, a single, you know, big oyster light. But ideally, just, just put in a track light. Just put in a track light. And when I say track light, I don't mean one of those tacky 
ones that have been uh, you got three lights that are you know with three lights that are joined to a piece of metal that are made to look like grapevine with all this flourishing details and you can only swivel the heads around put in something a little bit more industrial like an actual commercial um, uh, track system where I can actually add and remove lighting fixtures and I can move them around and that would be a much better solution than just doing the weird fluoro tube in the kitchen kind of thing. Now, I get that we don't all have, present company included, we don't all have the luxury of having plasterboard on every single surface of our home. I'm faced with a concrete floor, concrete ceiling. I do have plasterboard on my walls. However, I also have double brick walls, which means that I can't just add lights wherever I want. If you're lucky enough to just be in a, a freestanding home where you've got a timber frame and you have got plasterboard and maybe timber flooring, you are all set. You can kind of do whatever you want because the lighting world is set up for that for you. If, however, you're in a home where you, uh, maybe you're renting even, but if you're renting or if you are in a home where you have limitations like concrete ceilings, like double brick walls, don't be discouraged. Get a little bit creative. Look at imagery that suits your environment. I have concrete ceilings. I had to overcome that by using some movable track lights. I've got two meters of track in my kitchen and I've got eight little lights in there which I can move around and use them as both my general lighting and as my task lighting. When I finally get around to redoing my kitchen, I will absolutely be implementing even more um, task lighting in there because it's still not enough for me. But use, uh, use different products like LED strips. And when I say LED strips, use something that is commercial, that is good. There are so many aluminium profiles out there now. So what, what's an aluminium profile? It, it is what it says. It's made of aluminium and they come in all sorts of different shapes and they're designed to house LED strips inside them. Some of them can be recessed into plasterboard and they're made to be flush with a ceiling or a wall. Some of them are surface mounted. I have some surface mounted ones in my living room. I've got five meters of them and they sit in along the um, upper corners of two of my walls. I've got five meters of them and that is my general lighting. It's fully dimmable. It is a 3000 Kelvin color temperature. And that is what provides me with my day-to-day lighting, day-to-day general lighting in my living room. I then have lamps and I have other little accent pieces to do my task and accent lighting. But that's my main one because all I have otherwise is two holes in the skilling, in the concrete, where I had um, the two oyster lights, which I needed to get rid of. Because we don't do big lights, remember? We don't do big lights. If you have concrete walls or brick walls, there are some really fabulous products out there. There's a company in Brisbane called Creative Cables and there's plenty more around which have surface mounted lighting and electrical systems. So it does have a slightly industrial vibe to it, but instead of you trying to conceal lighting behind the brick or drilling through brick or doing other weird things, compromises it's actually a system which is designed to sit on the surface of your brick 
or maybe on a on a thin bit on a plasterboard on brick. But they're really colorful and you can also change all the fittings. So maybe you have a bright red uh, tubing that's going throughout the space and you've got beautiful brass clamps and fittings or you can I've got one of their pendant lights which you can get custom made. It's got a mint green uh, cable which comes from the ceiling and I have it draped across and then it drops above my dining table, for example. And that's a good way for you to take what was a challenging area and making a feature out of it because I wanted a light over my dining table and my dining table was a good meter and a half away from where the old down over the old ceiling light was. I can't move it because it's concrete. So what I said is, Hey, let's, I'm going to order this three meter pendant because they'll make it any size you want in this beautiful accent green color, which will become a feature and drape it down and then have a hook that holds it above the dining table. And then it drops straight down. So don't, don't shy away from thinking outside the box, you know, be brave, take a few different, um, take a few different, uh, perspectives or or views into, into mind when considering what you want to do. Don't forget wall sconces as well. Uplighting, downlighting, lighting on stairs, whether it's, uh, under the, uh, on the sides of the treads, whether it's underneath the railings, all of these can be really beautiful ways for you to add extra ambient and accent lighting to space. I don't think we use a lot of sconces here in Australia, and I think we need to use more of them in all of their forms because they're they're beautiful and they're functional. But we just love our downlights here. So maybe less downlights, more sconces. All right, we're nearly there. I want to give you one more bonus thought and consideration, and this is going to depend on how you live. But this is a kind of a critical component of my house and it has been for I don't know last five years probably and that's that I use um, a smart a smart home device so I use uh, a Google home and and I've got like I don't know way too many of them like five in my home and one of the main primary functions apart from playing music is I use it to control most of my lighting so a lot of my bulbs in my light fittings are smart bulb compatible and they just connect straight to the Wi-Fi. Uh, my downlighting in my living room, I talked about the LED strips. That's all connected to a smart dimming controller, which I specified when I had that system installed. So not only does it have the driver, but it also connects again to the Google Home ecosystem. Uh, bedside lamps are the same. Um, I've got a couple of plugs for Ikea products that I have as well. But for me, it just makes it so much easier. And actually my, uh, I have two Holman outdoor lighting controllers. So one, I have deck lighting out the back on my little deck that I made and they sit within the deck and shine light up through my plants. And then I have another one out the front, which, um, I have little stakes that sit inside pot plants and shine sort of across and up palm trees, etc. Both of those are smart controllable and they actually come on automatically at sunset and then they turn off at like nine 30 at night and it, it, it adds a whole lot of warmth to the home and I don't have to think about that bit, but the voice control, everything else is, is just so convenient because I just, I don't have to fumble for a light switch in the morning or if I'm trying to, you know, getting out of the shower in the morning and I just need a little bit more, a little bit more light. I can just go, Hey G, you know, turn the lights on and on, on it, on it comes. 
So I know that's not for everyone, especially if you're not a really techie person, but I think we've moved past the point of um, novelty and it can actually be extremely useful. On that same point, I am not a fan of uh, LEDs that change color. It's gimmicky. Look, maybe for a kid's space or a gaming room, but in a home, a color changing LED really doesn't have a place. The only exception would be one that switches between warm white and cool white, but there's usually compromises you have to make with that. We usually won't get the full benefit of both and it mightn't look correct either way, but that's probably the only exception. Um, but yeah, don't go shoving lots of color changing LEDs into your home. It's not a really designer look unless that's, you know, unless that's your aesthetic and what you want to do, but I, I wouldn't be doing it if it was me. Takeaways from today, keep the color temperature consistent. We don't like the, the, the big lights and you need to layer your lighting, okay? Color temperature, no big lights, layer your lighting. Implement those correctly and you'll have a sophisticated three-dimensional lighting feel to your home. And it will feel more like a home and less like a one-dimensional canvas that you're living within. Create detail. Think about what you want to feature in your home. Thank you so much for joining me today on Disco Designs, an interior design podcast. My name is Dave. I'm an emerging designer here in Brisbane, Queensland. If you would like to talk about lighting, head on over to my website at disco.design. That's D-I-S-K-O.design. Click on the contact page and book yourself in for a free discovery session with me. You can see my full availability on my calendar there. Just choose a day at a time and we can have a, a little a little chat about what you might want to achieve with your lighting in your home or any other topic related to interior design that you want to talk about. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you have a wonderful week. Shine bright.